0: Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Angelo.
1: Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, August 5th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their thoughts on this week's market activity. Steve Haight, head of equities; Rajiv Sharma, head of fixed income; and Paul Toft, senior fixed income portfolio manager. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com/slash/wealth-insights including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. For this week's economic data, we have a mix of information. Earlier in the week, PMI data that was released for both manufacturing and services still indicate economic expansion. However, they both showed signs of slowing in July. Initial unemployment claims on Thursday for the prior week were 260,000, so not much change or anything to discuss there. But the big news was the jobs report this morning. New non-farm payrolls increased by 528,000 in July, almost twice that of June, and a positive upside surprise. Unemployment rate went down a small amount from 3.6% over the past four months to 3.5% in July. But again, the big news is the payrolls. So as we think about the implications for the jobs report, not only is it huge for the Fed, but also the overall economy to go back and forth, whether we are or are not in a recession. So let's start with you, Rajiv. What do you think this means for the overall Fed's outlook and their possible positioning? Thank you, Brian.
2: Uh, 528,000 jobs added in July. That's a very big number. Uh, Unemployment rate edging down as well. So immediately markets are pricing in a 70% chance or so of a 75 basis point rate hike in September. With all of these rate hikes coming, the issue really starts to revolve around demand destruction and uh, a stronger dollar. So the U.S. is really leading the rest of the world as far as these uh, jobs go. And uh, the market got overly optimistic uh, last week when you know, uh, there was a lot of sentiment that the Fed was going to pause or, or maybe slow down or perhaps uh, even cut rates early next year. This takes all of that really away right now. And the Fed is going to really start to continue to raise rates until they see inflation start to slow down. Uh, the odds of a recession have increased as well. And uh, the Fed is clear on their goal. They're going to combat inflation. This jobs number completely supports that goal. They're focused on inflation, and uh, when they see a number like that, it really tells them that uh, we'll steam ahead. So now if you look at the treasury curve post the huge jobs beat, uh, we see that the curve has flattened. The inverted two's, tens curve remains inverted to the order of about uh, 43 basis points. That's the lowest that we've seen since 2000. Uh, this jobs number is stronger than forecast. Uh, and upward revisions on the prior data is also there as well. So it shows a very tight labor market as I said, 75 basis points is back on the table for September, especially if the CPI print next week comes in hot and traders are wasting no time sending the two-year back well above 3%. Uh, Powell has stated in the past that, uh, in his presser that some softening of the labor market would be necessary to get inflation back to 2%. The number today is quite the opposite of that sentiment. What are your thoughts there, Steve, on this number?
3: You know, I think it's interesting because there's definitely some uh, – puts and takes within the the two different employment surveys that came out today because you know the thing that concerns me is that yeah i think you're 100 right Rajiv, that the fed is on the table for 75 basis points who knows maybe even more if you get a crazy hot cpi report next week and employment is hot again at the beginning of september but you go deeper in the numbers, and and I think that you know we get this idea that you know maybe we have people taking on more than one job, and and uh, that that's kind of some of the hit that we're seeing that that's driving some of these numbers to the upside, and that's because we've got this uh, you know economy that's got this inflationary impulse that's hard for people to deal with. They need more money, so. You know, I think the report today really looks to me like it's consistent with an inflationary boom, and it's something that the Fed is going to have to work hard to get under control. It's just not going not gonna to go away anytime soon. This, PIB, this idea that there's a Powell pivot coming, I, I think we can put that to bed.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that, Steve. If you remember the presser from last week, he said 2.7 million people hired in the first half of the year, it doesn't make sense that the economy would be in a recession. So, Rajiv, where do you think we are going to go for the terminal rate then? And to, to Steve's point about maybe not a pivot at the beginning of next year in 2023? No, Steve makes a great point.
2: Uh, there was a lot of talks about a pivot. Uh, we, I don't see that coming right now. And uh, with that jobs print, we see the 10-year surge back to 2.8%. It's a far cry away from those calls that we were seeing just a day ago where there was a lot of talk about the 10-year going to 2.5%. Uh, why is this happening? Because uh, the Fed's back in the picture. Uh the Fed pauses back in the, is like there. that's off the table right now. The Treasury curve is flattened pretty dramatically after that huge beat today. Uh, what's truly incredible is uh, how the risk on trade was alive and well in fixed income last month. Uh, we saw fixed income risk assets rally. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to see high yield uh, gaining almost 6% in July. Uh, that's really incredible when you look at how bad. The first half of the year has been for high yield investment grade we saw this dramatic shift in high yield getting almost six percent total return in july it carried through to the up to today in august uh it's the biggest one-month rally that we've seen in a decade and why because the market really interpreted that, to, to steve's point that the that the fed would pivot and uh the fed was going to dovish and uh that was really optimistic and it, it didn't happen and uh with these numbers i don't think it's going to happen uh, it's really interesting to see the sentiment has shifted just today itself. We're seeing risk assets start to sell off today. So I, I think that fixed income coming into a lot of pressure right now. Um, it was a good July uh, when it lasted, but uh, there's a lot of uh, wood to chop right now.
3: Got to admit that I'm pretty surprised at the equity market reaction to this, though. So we knee-jerk traded down to just about 4,100 on the S&P. But we're right back to forty-one forty, almost to you, close to where yesterday's close was. I mean, it seems like this this bullish impulse right now in the equity markets is something that is uh, clearly to be respected. You know, uh, bad news seems to be good news for stocks. Um, at least it has been over the the last month or so. Um, and we've gotten some clear momentum signatures in the market here in the last two or so weeks, really more like the last 10 days. Um, and, and these things bode well for, for forward 12-month returns. Now, there could be uh, you know, additional signals that would help increase the case that near-term returns look uh, even more positively skewed than, than the 12-month. Um, And we'd love to see additional signals like that, but clearly there's been a a change in market tone. And, you know, when we get close to this June high, 4,177, you know, I I look at that. If we were to break above that level, um, that starts to set the the idea that you could have higher highs and lower lows. You know, that's a, a true definition of trend change. I mean, and if you take a look, you go back to 1950, we've never seen a bear market rally that's exceeded the 50% retracement of the, the peak to, to, to cycle lows move. Um, so, you know, all these kind of things tell me and that number right there, 50% retracement is 42.31 and we're less than hundred points away from that on the S and P. So the bear case at least from a price perspective in the equity markets, has a really tough row to hoe right now because the, we've, we've got this momentum impulse and we've got all these things starting to line up on the positive side of the ledger. On the negative side of the ledger, obviously this idea that the Fed is gonna maybe not pivot and you know what's that gonna mean for earnings, profit margins, those types of things. But the market tends to look six plus months forward and the the market is seeing a, a, a definitely a different scenario than 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 what the Fed is.
2: Steve, do you think that uh, the Fed is looking at earnings right now and, and pleasantly surprised that some of these earnings reports are coming up?
3: I think they have to be. I, I think they have to be. I mean, I think that the earnings reports, the reason why we had earnings support for the market over the last two to three weeks is that they came in much better than expected from the standpoint that the market really thought earnings forward expectations were going to have to get knocked down significantly, and that did not happen. So forward numbers have come down, so forward earnings are down to 236 and change from almost 240. So they've come down $4 for the aggregate earnings for the S&P 500, but that is not some type of a collapse. And this goes kind of to the thing that I've mentioned before on these podcasts, that people need to remember their earnings are measured in nominal dollars. And when you get into an inflationary boom scenario, corporate earnings actually are gonna be pretty strong because they're measured in nominal dollars. So we've seen this impulse uh, from an inflation perspective course its way through the economy and that's showing up in revenues for, for corporate America. And that is a countervailing force to the economic slowdown that we've been, you know, experiencing uh, at least at, at a GDP level here in the first half of the year.
1: So Rajiv, we keep going back and forth every week on this podcast about are we in a recession, are we not in a recession, so on and so forth. This data on jobs jumbles that again for the conversation, but we also talk about the yield curve inversion and the fact that the twos, tens was already negative, but the three month and 10 year was not. So, when do you think we're going to get there, or do you think we will get there?
2: Uh, great question, Brian. I think the twos, tens, we've talked about it, 43 basis points are so right now of an inversion, very significant. But many, uh, many, many uh, investors feel that the twos, tens may be skewed because of the amount of uh, uh, the balance sheet that the Fed has right now and the amount of co- accommodation the Fed has done. Uh, so, people start focusing on the three month 10 year, which had been positively sloped which gave the Fed a lot of uh, encouragement that uh, recession is not near and everything's fine. The three-month, 10-year curve has started to uh, flatten quite a bit. And uh, I think we do see an inversion coming forward. I think we, we could see that, it's not there yet. The difference is when the, two, when the two-year and the 10-year invert, you have about six to 18 months before a recession. When the three-month and the 10-year invert, uh, the timeline is much more, it's much more shorter. So we could see a recession within three to six months after that. So we are pointing in that direction. I think we, uh, we're keeping an eye on that as well. Right?
1: So, uh, we've got a special guest today, Paul Toff from our muni market and Paul, we would like to get your observations on what you see happening in the muni space, given that a lot of our clients out there are looking for tax advantage opportunities and what are you seeing in those signs?
4: Yeah, Brian, thank you. Um, I think, uh, you know, July was a great month for munis, as Rajiv alluded to, in the taxable fixed income space and high yield, you know, corporates had a great month. Uh, Things were good in the muni space, too, depending on what part of the yield curve um, you were invested in. You know, munis rallied one and a half to two percent. It's not earth shattering, but given what a challenging year we've had, it was welcome news in July. But as um, um, we've talked about on this call, I think today's job number puts the uh, summer muni rally in jeopardy. Um, As Rajiv and Steve alluded to, you know, this gives the Fed um, more flexibility to keep fighting inflation, knowing that they're not going to kill the jobs market down at three point five unemployment rate. I think that ties the 50 year low. So it gives them, um, I think, the will to go forward. their dual mandate you know i think they've said they they want to focus on inflation now the other part of their dual mandate full employment they've kind of reached so um, i think it could be a tough next couple months in the muni space Uh, munis in general have had a good year versus other fixed income securities they're rich to treasuries what does that mean all else being equal when you buy a muni you want to look at your tax-free return and compare it to what you might get on a taxable instrument Because of the relatively good performance, they're somewhat overvalued, and people that aren't in the maximum tax rate are probably better off buying treasuries and paying the taxes now, rather than buying munis just because of the relative richness. So it's something to keep an eye on, and the calendar has been pretty light, um, but we're gearing up for uh, a slew of new issues the next couple weeks. So I expect munis to come under pressure a little bit over the next few weeks.
2: Well, I mean, have you um, seen fund flows uh, change at all? I mean, last year we saw uh, investment-grade corporate bond funds getting a lot of flows inflows. We've seen a complete reversal this year, obviously with the jitters in the market, and maybe a risk off trade, but uh, what are you seeing in the muni side? Are you seeing flows uh, starting to ease up a little bit there?
4: Yeah, same theme in the muni side, Rajiv. So in 2021, we had record inflows, money coming into open-end municipal mutual funds. And we've just had a slew of outflows year to date, um, roughly 80 billion going out. However, we, we have seen some slowing of the outflows and actually just yesterday they announced we had modest inflows for the week. So, again, if you have new money coming in, that always helps. You know, you got that bigger calendar building on the horizon. You want to have some new money coming into mutual funds to suck up that new issue supply. So that could help, but I think just with the, um, the kind of bearish tone in the treasury market today, the relative richness of munis, I think uh, we're going to see munis come under pressure the next few days, especially in the shorter end of the curve, that two to four year range where we have a lot of clients. I think there's been a lot of buying there. I think munis have performed well. So if you're in munis, it's been great, but on the margin, they just look a little rich versus other fixed income securities at the moment.
1: So Steve, Rajiv, and Paul, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth
0: Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, bank institutional advisors key private client and key investment services any opinions projections or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice this material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice bank and trust products are provided by key bank national association member fdic and equal housing lender key private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of key bank Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp, Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.